I'm Nicole Ferraro, and this is The Divide, a podcast from Light Reading exploring the ongoing digital divide, why and where it still exists, and what needs to be done to get people everywhere connected to reliable, high-speed internet. Today, I am joined by Vanith Iyengar, Executive Director for the State of Louisiana's Broadband Office. We discuss the progress the state has made toward closing the digital divide and the various pools of funding providers are using to build out their networks. We also discuss Louisiana's digital equity plan and how the state's broadband office is preparing to dole out Louisiana's forthcoming share of funds from the Broadband Equity Access and Deployment Program, or BEAD. Vanith, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you for inviting me. It is my pleasure to have you here. I've been keeping up with your work uh, down in Louisiana for quite a while, so I'm excited to talk with you today. So um, before we talk about some specifics, maybe you could give us a little bit of background on Connect Louisiana, Connect LA, uh, when and why the office was formed, and what does the day-to-day of operating a state broadband office look like? Yeah, you know, it's it's actually been, I was was having lunch with someone today. Um, Actually, we're celebrating uh, Juneteenth. Uh, on Friday, um, this, we have a state holiday, and uh, someone had said, "Hey, how long have you been in the office? Have you been in the office for six months, seven months?" I said, "No, it's been over two years, so it's been it's been, it's been some time, but it's been a blur." But I'll tell you how our office really really started. It really started late to the momentum towards the creation of our office started in late 2019, when the governor, when our current governor John Bell Edwards created um, a commission called the Bell Commission. Um, and the purpose of the Bell Commission um, was to ensure that we eliminate the digital divide by 2029. Now, the, the thing is, and, and the timing of it is, and he must he must have been sort of Nostradamus, right? Um, because the commission was created several months before the pandemic ever hit. So the pandemic hit, you know, obviously everywhere in March of 2020. And we had two legislators work with the governor, recognizing the need that some broadband is such a such a big problem throughout the state of Louisiana that they all came together on a bipartisan way to actually create a legislation which led to the creation of our office. So in 2020, the Office of Broadband was created, and then late 20, early part of 2021, the governor and several folks said, hey, Beneath, is this something you want to lead? Um, and I said, sure. I mean, the, the, the challenge is big. And the way the way we've looked at it always, Nicole, is Look, we we need to work with a sense of urgency. A the second is we understand at the at the heart of it, the solutions aren't as complex and it isn't rocket science, right? I, I think the most important thing is to understand where the challenges are, and you know we've spent the last couple of years really understanding where the challenges are in terms of of you know obviously access, digital skills. Um, affordability. We spend an inordinate amount of time doing stakeholder engagement. I just got off the phone with a state senator who had who had a challenge with one of the subcontractors breaking water lines in a small community. Uh, but we've developed really good relationships with people throughout the state. Um, we we hit the ground running very early on doing stakeholder engagement before it became um, a in vogue concept now that everyone's now yeah. doing. Um, we have visited 90 cities, towns, and villages around the state. We continue to engage with communities across the state. And so uh, fast forward, you know, we, we are where we are because of our stakeholder engagement efforts, active listening. We over-communicate, and we often over-communicate very complex things in ways that people can digest information and then act on it um, accordingly. 
Okay, fantastic. So I think for a lot of state broadband offices like yours, there's going to be sort of life pre-bead and post-bead. So I'm wondering if you can tell me a bit about um, what funding pools you've been working with up until this point and how far that's gotten you guys in terms of closing the digital divide. Yeah. So, you know, and this is, I guess this becomes a little bit more of a challenge, both from a comms and execution perspective. So in Louisiana, we have a number of concurrent federal programs all effectively designed to do the same thing, right? So mm-hmm. we've got uh, FCC's RDOF program, the Rural Digital Opportunities Fund program. So the FCC RDOF program is expected to impact 175,692 locations between now and the next several years. We've got a USDA grant, a ReConnect program in a small area uh, just west of Baton Rouge. Uh, we have an NTI uh, um, broadband infrastructure program grant that's impacting the Acadiana area, which is an hour and 15 minutes west of Baton Rouge. That's going to impact 22,000 locations. Those three programs, we don't manage. Right. Right. So that's the key. We don't manage that. And sometimes when we go to a community, people will say, well, what's the deal on, on, you know, on, on my broadband at my house? And frankly, what we tell them is we try to get the information in advance on what's happening at their location, right? Whether it's RDOF, USDA, or NTI-BIP. But frankly, what we tell folks is, look, the two programs that we manage, which are the largest programs that we manage, um, the CPF program, right, from Treasury, which is 176 million, and the um, incoming BEAT are the ones that we manage that we have more, I guess, jurisdiction over. And those are the things that we'll have right. more ready to. So the, the, the challenge is you've got, multiple things happening at the same time, right? I think the key is making sure that we understand the status and progress of those projects so that we ensure that we don't, we're not double dipping and investing CPF dollars and bead dollars in a way that's going to be counterproductive towards eliminating the digital divide. So. Yeah, that does sound really challenging. And I've actually been wondering if programs like RDOF are uh, almost getting in your way at this point. Um, Look, I, I think every little building, every the way I look at it, Nicole, is every every program is additive mm-hmm. to the success of eliminating the digital divide, regardless of state. It's really important that USDA reconnect work. It's important that FCC's RDOF program work. It's important that everything works. The challenge of ultimately is the timeline dislocation and the accountability, right? Because mm-hmm. again, two out of those five programs, BEAD and CPF. The dollars, we're the state of Louisiana, the, the office of broadband or offices they held is, is the one that's holding these programs accountable and the internet service providers accountable. The others, we don't have accountability and there's that timeline dislocation. So yeah. we're trying to be as proactive in making sure that A, we get as much information that we can get from the RDOF companies, but there are certain things that we could possibly do legislatively or through the Public Service Commission to try to get on a consistent basis, what is the status of these RDOF projects? In my theory, and I want to say theory, and in, in our case, look, if an RDOF project fails, that's not good. But if they can fail fast and they put those locations in default, that's okay because then we can use the bead funds as a security blanket to fill in the gap. So right. the sooner I know the status of those projects and the sooner – we can then um, figure out a way to address the needs of the consumers, to address the needs of those Louisianians who maybe fall under one of those other programs. 
Okay. All right. I won't, I won't uh, stick with this pro- topic for too long um, because yeah. I want to move on to other things. Um, so let's move on to BEAT, actually, the $42.5 billion uh, broadband equity access and deployment program. Um, Louisiana was, I believe, the first state to put out the first volume of a BEAT proposal as well as a digital equity plan. So can you share a little high-level overview of, of what's in those plans and, and how you're envisioning um, distributing BEAT? Yeah, so it's really three things. I mean, every state's going to have to submit really uh, four deliverables to NTA in order to unlock the NTI funds for BEAT and digital equity. The first is we, we submitted last month our five-year action plan. So statutorily, we had to submit that five-year action plan, I believe, by May 23rd. So we've we've done that, or if not sooner, I think it was sooner than May 23rd. But we went ahead and submitted our five-year action plan. The second thing is obviously the volume one of our initial proposal. It, the volume one of our initial proposal is a pretty, um, so it's a pretty static document, Nicole, in the sense that it's not going to have any grand reveals. You know, we talk about adopting the model challenge process from NTIA. You know, we talk about the, you know, our definition of CAIs, community anchor institutions, which we're not going to deviate from, um, than other than what's listed in the notice of funding opportunities. So it's really a, a static document. We. You know, and I think June 23rd is when public comments are, going to, are expected to come in. Uh, we made uh, public our digital equity plan, which is a much more extensive, involved document, um, because it is a first time developing our state's digital equity plan. You know, we're getting increasingly more comments, and that's a that's a plan that's that's going to help guide our efforts in understanding really how we can impact covered populations. What we're working on really uh, aggressively, but very thoughtfully right now, is volume two of the initial proposal, because that's going to be really the crux of everything that we do. And the three most important questions, they're all important questions that we have to answer, but the three most important ones that we're really spending a significant amount of brain power on is question number eight, which is the subgrant process. Question 12, which is around, um, I believe question 12, which is around uh, workforce. And then question 16, which is around affordability. Um, mm-hmm. and so I think I think 16 is where – anyway, it's, they're interchangeable. But it's really – It's impressive that you remember the numbers. Work, workforce and affordability are the three most important things that we're spending a significant amount of time trying to develop the best product that's unique to Louisiana um, that will make sure we get, uh, obviously, internet for all. Okay, awesome. Um, so, g- regarding the NTIA's challenge process that you said you're going to adopt, um, how do you feel about the state of the FCC's map and how it depicts uh, the state of service in Louisiana right now? And yeah, what um, what resources do you have for challenging um, that data? So, we made a concerted effort prior to November of last year, November of 22. When the FCC chairwoman had a call with all the broadband offices, one thing she keyed on, uh, and we appreciated her keying on this statement, was, look, not many states are going to pay attention to the fabric challenge. Most are going to likely pay attention to the availability challenge. But our strong advice is for states to focus on the fabric challenge because that's going to really dictate the allocations, (coughs) which are going to be released in in two weeks, right? June 30th. So. Uh, we partnered with the planning commissions of Louisiana. So we have eight planning commissions, which are quasi-government organizations that are geographically distributed around the state. And we worked with the planning commissions um, to uh, effectively submit fabric challenges really in two chunks, before November 
and then before November 15th, and then and then a second volume of Fabric Challenges between November 15th and March 15th. Um, in aggregate, we issued 81,000 challenges to the Fabric. We had close to 20,000 net new unserved locations that were added to the Fabric. So every net new location incre increases our, our allocation. Uh, and so, look, at the end of the day, the maps are an imperfect good start. Are they, are they a panacea to solving everyone's world's problems when it comes to address level data? No. I mean, if, some, if people had an expectation that the FCC maps on day one would be this 100-person person perfect product, and I, think, I, I don't think that's necessarily wise thinking, right? It's the same evolution in terms of process improvement that the FCC is undergoing through their maps that every broadband office is undergoing as it creates its own policies and it creates its own uh, ways of attracting the, the digital divide. So I think the maps are a significant, significant better place than where it was before. And the FCC has been doing a, a ton of work in addressing it and partnering with NTI and other organizations and states and they're reflective and these maps are only get better. So, you know, the, at the end of the day, is, is it a perfect, product from the day one no it's an it's a great and perfect good start it'll only get better and we'll continue to work with the fcc on making these maps better and i assume you're glad that there is this challenge process baked into the ntia's bead um yeah how, how it's distributing because uh, i yeah. know there is some pushback within the industry that there are some who want only the fcc map to be used but i, I assume from a state broadband office perspective you need that challenge process right we need that challenge process. It's important. Um, it's important that nonprofits have the chance to look at the maps and assess what's served and unserved from an availability perspective. It's important that uh, internet service providers have uh, an equal chance to look at the maps to see served and unserved. And it's equally important that um, local governments and local government units have a chance um, to do it. So, you know, we're gonna we're gonna take the model challenge process from NTIA. And we'll execute on that challenge process over the, you know, in the in the late fall of this year. Okay, sounds good. So you also mentioned affordability as uh, something very important uh, when it comes to closing the digital divide. I certainly agree with you. Um, the affordable connectivity program uh, is a monthly broadband subsidy of thirty dollars uh, per household for low income households, um, but it is at risk of running out of funding. Um, I believe there's actually data out that shows Louisiana has the highest percentage of of any state of uh, people who are enrolled. Um, so what would it mean for Louisiana's plan? to close the digital divide if the ACP is not funded again? Um, and what can your office do or is your office doing to help persuade your members of Congress uh, to, to go and vote for it? Yeah, look, in Louisiana, approximately 903,000 households um, are eligible for the Affordable Connectivity Program. Thus far, as of today, 452,000 households have benefited. So just over 50%, which which is, is a good number in terms of uh, our high adoption, but also speaks to the depth and breadth of the problem that exists in Louisiana when it comes to affordability. You know, the governor has repeatedly mentioned, just like any of us, that a lot of these investments are going to be, a, frankly, a busted investment from an access perspective if we can't make inherently the the thing that's creating uh, unaffordability challenges if we can't make it unaffordable, unaffor uh, right? So. Yeah. You know, the ACP program is really important. And so what we will do is we will continue to push and advocate 
for the ACP program as much as we can to um, legislators and to all the folks in D.C. to continue to explain the importance of of this affordability program and the subsidy to continue long before it's expected to expire. Is there anything else that you think the state can or should do to provide a, a subsidy, um, whether in addition to the ACP or just in case the ACP you know, does run out of funding? I have a very strong feeling, though I do not live in D.C., I have a very strong sense that the ACP will be reauthorized. Okay. Um, and so now, look, not to say that as part of our gaming out how we're going to spend some of our broadband uh, bead dollars that you know we'll look at and, and strategize what something could look like that could augment ACP, but we're we're significantly banking on and have full confidence that um, Congress will do the right thing, which is to continue to see value in the ACP program, given the amount of value that's provided throughout this country and specifically Louisiana, and make the decisions that they see make best sense. Okay. I like your optimism. I would say it's yep. also going to require a lot of advocacy. So optimism plus advocacy equals uh, the ACP continues. One final question for you. I'll let you answer it really quickly. Um, there are a lot of different providers closing the digital divide mm -hmm. in Louisiana. You have municipal providers like LUS Fiber. You have your standard you know, charters. You have uh, new guys like Connexon that are doing interesting things with electric co-ops. Um, tell me a bit about your uh, view of, um, do you think it's going to take all these types of providers to close the digital divide with bead funds? Do you have any uh, opinion on who's doing it well or, or, or what works well in Louisiana in terms of type of providers uh, addressing the, these remaining broadband gaps? Yeah, we, we feel, Nicole, we feel really good with the provider, the provider mix that we have in Louisiana. A uh, majority of, of our dollars that we've committed um, uh, using, you know, of our CPF dollars are going to companies uh, that are a bit smaller, indigenous to their localities. And so we, we sort of pressure tested execution risk at that level um, when we pre-qualified and, and talked to some of these companies as part of the application process. And so we feel good with the mix of partners we have. You know, we've, we've committed dollars to the AT&Ts, Charters, Comcast, all the cable companies of the world. And we've committed dollars to the Connexon, Swift, um, Cajun Broadband, Skyriders, Volts of the world. And so, you know, they'll continue, we'll continue to monitor progress, they'll continue to build, we'll continue to help support workforce needs, we'll continue to help streamline permitting, do the kinds of things that will help accelerate and, and ease the cost of doing and constructing, while at the same time communicating that a lot of this work is being done locally um, with parish officials. So we feel good now. Do we want more providers to come to Louisiana? Sure. I mean, I think it's important that we get and invite as many different potential companies and investors to help uh, eliminate the digital divide um, as quickly and efficiently as possible. So we're always open to hearing from new vendors and new companies and new internet service providers with, with different different types of technologies, whether it's fiber, fixed wireless, and, and, and satellite, and we'll continue to have conversations with them. All right. Very cool. Thank you so much for your time today and for the great work you're doing to close the digital divide in Louisiana and set an example for the country. Uh, I really appreciate enjoyed it. speaking with you and look forward to seeing how you all spend that money. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks. All right. Thank you again, Beneath, for joining me. Thank you as well to our producer, Pierre Landriau, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more episodes of The Divide, as well as interviews and insights from the Light Reading team. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.